this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Don't go away. There's much more coming on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Welcome back to Chronosphere Fiction. This is your host, Daniel French. Let's get right back to it with Monday through Friday at the Smith's Residence. Be advised that this story carries some adult content. Please remember to support Chronosphere Fiction at patreon.com slash chronosphere. Send your questions or story submissions to chronospherefiction at cox.net. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. And now, Monday through Friday at the Smith Residence. Act 2, Scene 1. Tuesday. Barbara is leaning against the dishwasher, smoking a cigarette. She seems exasperated. Albert soon walks through the front door. Barbara, unsure of who has just arrived, puts out her cigarette in the sink. Hello? I'm home. Albert? Barbara enters the foyer. Why are you home so early? They sent me home. But why? No reason. He heads for the staircase, but Barbara seizes him by the arm. Ow! What did you do, Albert? Tell me! Let go of me! She releases him. I didn't do anything! You and I both know that you're lying. I'm sure your father's already been told, and he's going to tell me when he gets home. If he gets home. Excuse me? Why would Dad tell you anything? Barbara is at a loss for words, taken aback. But you're right. He'll probably tell you when he gets home, so I'll tell you. I ditched fourth period with a friend, and we went to the woods. I told him that some poison oak was weed, and he smoked it. He's in the hospital. They don't know what's going to happen to him, and it's not like he can tell on me or anything. He could even tell them what happened. But I could. (laughs) They think I saved him. So like I said, I didn't do anything. And when dad comes home, if he comes home, he'll tell you all about how proud he is of me for helping that poor kid. Albert! What? Why did you do that? Why did I tell him it was weed? I I don't know. I guess because I knew he was dumb enough to believe me. And he was. But that's not my fault. Did you know that it was poison oak? Yeah. And you knew what it would do to him? I guess. Albert! He could die! Yeah, maybe. Silence. Why did you tell me? Because who are you going to tell? I... Dad won't believe you. Albert! The police? Albert! Of course not. Because if people knew, then people would know you as my mom. Albert, go to your room. So, that's it? That's what you say? Albert. Albert, heartbroken, marches up to his room and lies in bed. Barbara, in a haze enters the living room and sits on the couch. She buries her face in her hands. Randall and Susan enter the house in the midst of conversation. It's not like he meant to forget it or anything. Barbara pulls herself together. Randall, could I borrow Susan for a few moments? Sure. Randall heads up to his room and listens to music on headphones. Susan joins Barbara in the living room. What's the matter, Mrs. Smith? Why don't you call me Barbara? I'd rather you called me Barbara. Is something wrong? Frank used to call me Barb, you know. He doesn't any longer. Sit with me. Barbara invites Susan to take a seat next to her on the couch. She complies. So is there something you wanted to talk about? Oh, I'd like to talk about you. Um, okay. You're not in trouble, dear. You don't have to look so concerned. Susan gives Barbara a tentative smile in response. 
I like you, Sue. I think you're a smart young woman. And of course, you're so very pretty. Thank you. We all like you. And Randall likes you, that's clear. Yeah. And you like him, I take it? Of course. I love Randy. Yes. I believe you. You love him and you want to protect him. And so you lie to him. Because that's what we do when we want to protect the ones we love, isn't it? I don't understand. I've I've never lied to Randy. Lying by exclusion is still lying, dear. What do you mean? Barbara stands and begins to sprawl around the room. I don't blame you. There's no need to be defensive. And let's not kid ourselves. If Randall had any brain cells left, he'd have figured it out for himself already. Mrs. Smith. Barbara. I insist you stop calling me Mrs. Smith. You're part of the family, after all. I... I... You are intelligent. And you are pretty. But you've got to learn to be responsible, Susan, dear. Not just for yourself, but for the life growing inside you. Susan is dumbstruck. It wasn't difficult to see. We have that in common, don't we? Barbara takes Susan's hand in her own and places it on her belly. Well, don't you think it's time to start telling the truth? Yes. Yes. Barbara sits next to Susan once more as the latter seems on the verge of tears. It's nothing to be sad or ashamed about. I didn't want this. He wears a condom, doesn't he? Yes, I just... I didn't think it could happen. Frank and I, we married at a young age. Randall was no surprise. But Graham... We didn't expect Graham. I know what it feels like to have the weight of the world inside of you. Weighing you down, though you never asked for it. I don't want this. I'm sure that's what you think. I know it's a scary thing, giving birth for the first time. Motherhood's even scarier, I assure you. But you'll do fine. I'm not ready. Are we ever? I'm afraid. Your every action henceforth is one of courage. I don't know what I'm going to do. Barbara stands suddenly and speaks assertively. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to dry your eyes, and then you're going to marry Randall. You're going to be Susan Smith, and you're going to rear and care for a lot of little Smiths while your husband works tirelessly to support the family. You'll wash the dishes and sweep the floors and make the meals, often without thanks. From time to time, you'll meet with friends and talk about your favorite television shows and the books you've read, and you'll go out to dinner with your husband where he'll pay more attention to the menu than he will to you. And by God, you'll keep your chin up, and you'll smile, and you'll play the game. These are the rules, Susan. Graham steps through the front door. Is that you, Graham, darling? Yeah. How was your day? Fine. Graham makes for his room. Good. But before you do all that, you're going to go upstairs and tell Randall. Yes? Susan nods, shaken. You gonna tell my parents? No. You will. Susan nods again. I suppose when Randall moves out, we'll repurpose his room. Make it a nursery. Pray for a girl, Susan. Now, if you'll excuse me, the oven needs to be cleaned. Barbara exits the living room and sees to her chore in the kitchen. Susan begins to silently weep once she is alone. By now, Graham has entered his room. Did you hear what I did? No. What did you do? Nothing. Graham sits down at his desk and starts working on his homework. Susan, wiping her tears away, heads up to Randall's room. She enters, trying to look as calm as possible. Randall smiles, removes his headphones, and approaches Susan. Hey. Hi. He does not sense that anything is amiss and wraps his arms around Susan, kissing her. She lets him at first, reciprocating half-heartedly, but gently pushes him away before long. Randy, please. What's wrong? I'm just... I'm not in the mood. We can change that. Again, he attempts to take her in his arms, but she resists resolutely. Randy, I'm serious. What is it? What did my mom say? It's not what she said. Then what is it? I'm pregnant. Are you going to work some more on love? When I'm done. Are you sure? I'm sure. The revelation catches up to Randy. 
He paces back and forth across his room, unsure of what to say. Can I watch? Oh, God. I guess so. That wouldn't make you nervous or anything. Uh, no. Are you okay? Okay, I'll let you work. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Randy, I know this is really tough. Susan tries to comfort him, but she is rebuffed. Randall, inconsolable, sits on his bed and fights back his emotions as best he can. Holy shit. Holy shit. Randy. Does anybody know? She sits on the bed as well, but keeps her distance. Your mom knows. Oh no. Oh geez. Randy, I'm here. She places his hand on him. He rejects the gesture. What did she say? She... She told me what she expected to happen. What's that? She wants us to get married. And she wants me to get a job and a house and all that, right? Yes. Oh, this can't be happening. This can't be happening so fast. I I thought I was going to college. I, I, I thought I'd... I didn't plan for this either, but it's not the end of the world. It doesn't have to be. She's right. We're gonna have to get married. I'll need to, I'll need to find- Randy, maybe we don't have to get married. You think I want this? You think I want to just forget about everything, rewrite the future? You're not listening to me, Randy. This is happening to me too. Don't you get it, Susan? You're the mother of my child. My child. I'm gonna be a father. This is fucking nuts. Are you afraid of your mom? Is that it? You want to do everything she tells you? It's not just her. It's everyone. Everywhere. It's... It's things. It's just the way things are. It's what we have to do. I need you to trust me, Randy. What? You're forgetting something really, really important. What am I forgetting? That I love you. Randall is silent for a short time. You're right. You're right. I did forget. I lost my head there. I'm sorry. It's okay. And I love you. More than anything. I know. We're going to deal with this together. Randy. I trust you, Susan. I do. I'm glad. I know you're scared. I'm not scared. I'm not. We're going to figure things out. That's right. It's going to work out. I think you'll be a great mom. Randy. What? Nothing. Never mind. I... I should go. You're taking off? I can't stay. I understand. It's not you. I've just got a lot of thinking to do. I get it. Me too. But I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. See you tomorrow. Do you promise you'll still love me tomorrow? I'll always love you. Promise? Promise. Susan smiles and kisses Randy on the cheek. She leaves the room and descends the stairs, exiting the house in a hurry. Randall takes a deep breath, motionless. All at once, he has a meltdown, punching a hole in the wall and then tearing his room apart. The commotion causes Barbara and Graham to look up from their respective tasks, but both quickly dismiss the ruckus. What's Randy's problem? Maybe he couldn't get it up or something. Randall collapses onto his bed and convulses. Too much of a man to cry. All right, I'm done. Cool. Albert sits up. Graham puts his homework away and retrieves his painting materials. He crosses to love, removes its cover, and proceeds to make slow and thoughtful additions. So, what does it mean? I'm painting love. You know that. Well, duh. But how do you know what it looks like? We... We feel things and we make associations. Like what we smell or hear or what we see when we're happy or sad or whatever. We even think of colors or shapes and stuff. I just try and visualize love. I paint what it makes me feel. So, you're in love? (laughs) I'm serious. Why are you so interested anyway? I told you, because I like it. And you meant it. Believe it or not, I did. Well, why didn't... What didn't you like about the other ones? I don't know. This one's not the same. None of them are alike. Whatever, I like this one. No, I'm not in love. But it's not finished. Ah. Albert hops off of the bed and takes a closer look at love. Have you ever been in love? Have you? I asked you first. I mean, why paint love if you never felt it? Once, when I was like 11 or 12. What was her name? Lila. Was she hot? (laughs) She was beautiful. She was so blonde, her hair looked white. She always wore bright colors. I bet you remember what color her eyes were. (laughs) Maybe you are my brother. Blue. The deep, dark kind of blue you only see at the top of the sky. How'd you know her? She sat in front of me in my pre-algebra class. 
I'd always doodle to keep myself awake. Nothing that good, but she liked my drawings. She told me she liked them, so I'd give them to her and she'd thank me and she'd give me this smile. It was what I lived for. A lot of times I'd draw things on my homework and I'd get in trouble with the teacher because I'd give them to her instead of turning it in. But she'd get in trouble too because she'd always turn around in class to watch me draw. I loved her. I loved her unconditionally. I knew I loved her because I thought about her all the time and I dreamt about her at night and I'd look into her sky-colored eyes and I'd see no malice or suspicion or disdain. Only my love reflected back at me. Did she love you? I don't know. What did you do? Basically nothing. I'd hardly even say anything to her other than thank you when she told me how much she liked my drawings and here you go when I gave them to her. I wanted to. I wanted to say, Lila, you're so beautiful, and let her say the rest, but I didn't. Because I had this picture in my head of that beautiful smile slowly fading. She'd say nothing and I'd say nothing and she'd turn to face the front and she'd never turn around to watch me draw ever again. And I'd get my homework in every time and dad wouldn't yell at me for getting a D in the class, at least. That's it? I sat with her during lunch once, in the cafeteria. She invited me to sit with her because all her friends had detention or something. It's not like we talked about anything special, just class and stuff, but I was so, so happy. I usually sat alone, but that was the only time. What happened to her? She moved away. And? That's it. I showed up in class a few weeks before the summer and she wasn't there. I thought maybe she was sick, but she wasn't there the next day or the day after that. I asked the teacher where she was. He said she moved away. That's all. And you? And me? I mean, what? Have you ever been in love? No. Never? Never. Hmm. Do you believe me? I guess so. I just haven't. Not even any of the girls you pay for? I don't really care about them. And they're not that into it either. Uh. So, loving Lila felt like this. Yeah. If you ever saw Lila again, would you give it to her? I don't know. Well, I like it. Thank you. You want to see something? What? I found her a few days ago. I showed her to the people at school today. Albert opens his backpack and holds it out for Graham to look into. (sighs) He drops his paintbrush in surprise and steps back. She was out on the front curb. I think she got hit by a car or something. She smells bad. Yeah, I should throw her out after tonight. You didn't do it, did you? No, of course not. It's really gross. Well, I thought maybe you'd want to say goodbye. Could you put her away, Albert, please? For Christ's sakes. Albert throws the backpack at Graham, who is unable to catch it with a pallet in one hand. He jumps backward, horrified. Why do you always have to do stuff like that? Graham puts his pallet down and flees the room, slamming the door behind him. While he heads for the kitchen, Albert picks his backpack up from off the floor and carries it to the window at the far end of the room. He opens the window and dumps the rather stiff remains of a cat outside. He then puts his backpack down and returns to his bed. Graham enters the kitchen and takes a seat at the table, shaken. Barbara puts her chore aside and sees to him. Graham? What's the matter? Nothing. Albert's being a jerk again. I can't say I'm terribly surprised. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It isn't. It just isn't. He's cruel to you. He's just so gross. He's... he's a lot of things. I'm hoping he'll grow out of, well, the way he is. I suppose. Why is he so... so... Spiteful? I only wish I knew, my dearest son. I only wish I knew. He doesn't get it from his father, and I'll be damned if he gets it from me. She sits down next to him. We can only hope that the next one is a little more level-headed. She smiles warmly, and he returns the smile. She places her hand on his cheek in a maternal fashion. I'm so proud of you. You're such a kind young man. Randall gets a grip and exits his bedroom, heading downstairs. Thanks, Mom. You're a shy one now, but you've got a lot to say. I can see it. And someday, you're going to say it all. And you'll shine out for everyone to see. And of course, you're going to make some lovely and oh-so-lucky young lady very, very happy. Yeah. Randall enters the kitchen, unable to conceal his anxiety. Mom? Can I talk to you? I know exactly what's on your mind, Randall. And I think it would be more appropriate if you discussed it first with your father when he comes home. Well, when's that? Oh, I don't suppose it'll be too long. Blackout.
Scene two. It is the dead of night, and the streetlights without once more cast a dim glow on the interior of the Smith residence. The boys are in bed. Barbara sits on an armchair in the living room, livid, patiently awaiting Frank's arrival. Frank soon ambles through the front door, exceedingly inebriated. Frank, could you come here for a moment? Honey, I'm home. Frank drags himself into the living room. Barbara leaps to her feet and slaps Frank. You bastard! Hey! Frank grabs Barbara's wrists in a clumsy attempt to restrain her, but she fights back and easily pushes him to the floor. You son of a bitch! Fuck you! Just yesterday, just yesterday, we discussed this. We did, and I thought I made it abundantly clear I didn't see a problem with having a few drinks after a long day's work. Do you have any idea at all what time it is? Time I should be getting to bed. But here I am having another pointless spat with my wife. It's nearly midnight. Do you understand? I got a little carried away. I was having a conversation. With whom? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? What's that supposed to mean? Nothing. Forget I said it. If you have something to say, be a man for once and say it. I've got more to say than you know, but you don't know. You don't care. I've been talking and drinking with somebody that does. Now I think I'll be. He turns to leave the room. Oh no! You're going to get a proper earful. I don't care who's been listening to your drunken ramblings, but whether you like it or not, you're a father, and you've got responsibilities. And what about you? Me, me? What more could you possibly want from me, Frank? I spend my days here making sure everything is neat and tidy for you and for everyone else. And who is it that mediates when the boys are at each other's throats? Hmm. Yeah, everything's neat and clean, excepting the animal carcasses out in the garden. What? I found Rosie on my way in. She's lying in the petunias, attracting ants. Is that your idea of fertilizer or something? I have no clue what you're going on about. No, of course not. Because maybe you're not the housekeeper you like to think you are. Again, Frank attempts to leave, but is stopped by Barbara. A housekeeper? No, I'm a peacekeeper, Frank. You don't know what goes on here while you're out drinking your pathetic life away. You don't know your own sons. Bullcrap! It's the truth. The boys have no father. Shut your goddamn mouth! No, you shut yours and you listen. The things Albert did just today would would give you goosebumps if you only knew. So he acts out from time to time. Can you blame him? You never say anything nice about the boy. He never does anything nice. He terrorizes everyone around him. Ah,、oh, please. This is exactly what I'm trying to communicate to you. You don't have the first clue who the children are. I've had just about enough of this. You're going to be a grandfather, and you don't even know it. Beat. What? Your eldest son has been brooding all day. He's been moping around the house, and do you know why? Because he put a child in Susan Frank. Unbeknownst to you. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, wait, wait! Just a minute. You heard me. Susan is pregnant with his child. My God. And where were you while he was tormented by nagging thoughts of what his life will become? Where was the man who could tell him, who could reassure him? He was boozing and chatting it up. Jesus. What will you tell him tomorrow? Well, Frank, what excuse can you make? We need you here, and you're not. Barbara cannot help but sob. Frank feels awful. I'm sorry. He opens his arms and approaches Barbara. Don't touch me. I'm sorry, Barbara. I'm sorry. Yes, yes, I'm sure you are. I screwed up, bad. Always. Maybe you're right, Barbara. Hey, Barb. Barb, look at me. She does so. I'm sorry, and I'm gonna make it up to him and to you. And how are you going to do that? Well, listen. I'm taking tomorrow off so I can be home when Carlisle gets here. Now, what if I did all the chores, everything that needed to be done? What if I even made dinner for everybody? Boy, are you drunk? Guilty. And Randall? I'll talk to him first thing in the morning. You'll do all the cleaning tomorrow. You betcha.、Uh, cooking too. 
Well, I'm not sure I should trust you with the cooking, Mr. Smith. You might burn the house down. But then I would like to catch up on my reading. I'll make something simple, something foolproof, like spaghetti. I can do it. I want to. All that's a start. It's a start. And all that working late? No more. Promise. Promise. Good. You may kiss me, and then you may get some sleep. You've got a busy day tomorrow. Frank kisses Barbara gently on the forehead. Blackout. Act Three, Scene One, Wednesday. Graham has gone off to school, and Albert just left. Frank is seated at the head of the dining room table, reading from a newspaper. Sitting opposite him is Randall, disconsolate, plaintively playing with his breakfast. Barbara has her head out the front door. Albert, you forgot your backpack again. Albert. She abandons her endeavor and, shutting the door, returns to the kitchen. Again. He'll be okay. Randall, eat your breakfast. Your father worked very hard on it, and he did a good job. Sorry, mom. That's okay, son. Perhaps now's the time we address the elephant in the room. Um, Barbara. Yes. Could, could we have this talk in private? Oh, of course. Barbara withdraws to the living room, takes a seat in the armchair, and reads a book. Frank folds up his newspaper. So Susan's pregnant, is she? Yeah. And it's yours, Randall. Yeah. Well, what do you have to say? I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. But you're happy, aren't you? Happy? I mean, I, I want to be. You didn't think you'd be playing football for the rest of your life, did you? <laughs> Forgive me if I'm a bit too frank. <laughs> frank laughs at his joke. Randall does not. That one's always cracked people up. People that know me. Listen here, Randy. You've got plenty to be happy about. Your head's screwed on right. You've got yourself a good-looking gal, and you're lucky enough to live in the greatest country on earth in the midst of a new American Renaissance. Frank stands, cup of coffee in hand, and paces across the floor. The '60s are no more. Kennedy, counterculture, civil rights, Vietnam—it's all behind us. The '70s have passed, and so too has Watergate, detente, disco, Roe v. Wade, Randy. For the first time in decades, the American people aren't distracted. We've got our sights back on the American dream. Just look around you. What more could you ask for? I don't know. Neither do I. Have I ever talked to you about my days in Vietnam, son? No, I I don't think so. Well, now that you're a man, I think you're ready to appreciate the lessons I learned. Frank finishes his coffee. He pours another glass and hands it to Randall. Drink. Randall accepts the cup. I didn't bring any wounds home, but I sure brought back a lot of memories, a lot of stories. One in particular comes to mind. It was 1963. I had to have been uh, 24 or so. My unit was assigned to the countryside. Beautiful place, really. So green. But this was in the summer, and the humidity alone was enough to make you crack. It was like suffocating on some days. Anywho, one day we receive orders to root out dissident elements in the local villages. That means Viet Cong, the commies. So we head out and turn a few homes upside down, ruffle some feathers. Don't find anything, but eventually, we do. In fact, who should stumble upon a hidden armory of guns, grenades, the works? But your old man. My superior officer ordered us to liquidate the residence. Okay. Two kids, an old man, and a little pregnant gal. Frank makes a gun with his hand and points his finger directly at Randall's head. Bang, 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 bang. They shot a few other villagers for good measure, just to send a message. The men were away fighting, killing young American men with weapons, and we knew that sooner or later, those weapons would jam or they'd run out of bullets. They'd come on back to their homes to stock up, and what would they find? No guns. Only their loved ones killed. I volunteered my service. I wasn't drafted. I left your mother for the war. Two years, because I wanted to fight them over there, so we didn't have to fight them over here. I didn't know what it would take, Randy, more than I thought, but I followed orders. I always followed orders. And you know what, Randy? What? 
If I can look a pregnant mother in the eye, picture Karl Marx, and shoot her dead to ensure the survival of democracy and capitalism and that American dream of ours, you can damn well rise to the occasion and live out that dream I fought, I killed to protect and to provide for you. Be a man. Be an American man. Does that make sense, Randall? Yeah, Dad. Yeah, I think it does. I thought it would. I see a lot of me in you. Frank produces a flask from his person and hands it to Randall. Drink. It's called vodka. And it's the only good thing that ever came out of Russia. Randall takes the flask. I know what vodka is, Dad. <laughs> yes, I expect so. Frank places his hand on Randall's shoulder. You'll make a more than adequate father. Enjoy it however you can, son. I'll be proud of you. Thanks, Dad. I really needed to hear that. I don't count this against you, Randy. Sometimes life comes at you faster than it should. But whatever doesn't kill you, right? Right. Randall takes a swig of vodka. You better head off to school. We'll have Susan and her family over for dinner sometime soon. Not tonight. Not while your uncle and your cousin are here. And make sure everybody's on the same page. And we'll work things out as a family from then on. Randall stands and puts his backpack on. All right. Just one more thing before you go. Do you love Susan? Yes. That's good. Love her for as long as you can, pal. It makes all the difference. I'm ready to spend the rest of my life with her. Frank laughs. <laughs> That's good to hear, Randy. Godspeed. See you later, Dad. Have a good day, son. And don't forget, Carlisle and Tessa should be getting here around one, so don't dally after class. Randall departs. Frank goes to the living room to check in on Barbara. How'd it go? I think I got through to him. I knew you would. Frank sits down on the couch and motions for Barbara to join him. She smiles and complies, putting her book aside. He puts his arm around her and kisses her. Blackout. Scene two. Frank is sweeping the foyer. Barbara watches, enjoying a drink. Is it always this tedious? No, it's worse. I don't have company. Well, I'm taking a break when they get here. Did he say why the flight was delayed? He said it was because he's a person of interest and they were searching his luggage, but, well... Perhaps not. Maybe not. But don't let him hear you say that. Oh, I know better. Heck, <laughs> the boys might beat them here. Are they staying at a hotel tonight? Surely not. They're family. They're staying here. We're not going to let them get scalped on the price of a room. All right. Where will they be sleeping in that case? I suppose we could situate Carlisle on the couch, and then we've still got that inflatable mattress in the upstairs closet. I believe so. Well, we could put Tessa in the boys' room. With Albert? And Graham. Would you rather she slept with Randy? No, no. You're right. She'll be fine. Al can raise a little hell, but he's a gentleman. We'll see. The doorbell rings. That must be them. I'll get it. Barbara answers the door. There stands Carlisle, an American man along the lines of Frank, who wears a smile at all times, and Tessa, a punk rock type. Hello, hello. Hey there, little brother. So nice to see you two. Come in, please. They enter and the door is shut behind them. And just look at you, all grown up. And very with the times, it would appear. Tess, say hello to your Aunt Barbara and your Uncle Frank. Hi, Aunt Barbara and Uncle Frank. She's a bit shy when meeting new people. I am not. She'll loosen up. Do you happen to remember the first time you came here, Tessa? No, I was like two. <laughs> of course you were. Carlisle notices the broom in Frank's hand. She has you doing the chores, Frank? What can I say? But here, while I'm at it, let me take your bags. Don't mind if I do. Carlisle hands Frank his suitcases. Frank takes them to the living room. And how are you enjoying school, young lady? I'm not. She gets good grades, even if she doesn't care to admit it. It's not hard when everyone's so stupid. Don't you love her? She's very sure of herself, and that's not a bad thing to be. I hear you've settled down. You heard right. Just outside of Milwaukee in a real nice neighborhood, just like this. And what are you doing with yourself these days? I do contracting in the city. Frank returns. So, how's life been treating you? Fine, as I was just telling your wife. Got a job that pays and a home we're both real happy with. Everything's in order for a change. I'm glad. Now that we're sedentary, I'm hoping the feds will back off and that they'll think of us less of a threat. Tessa sighs. 
Adorable, Tess. It's hard to believe, I know, but you can't miss them if you keep your eyes open. Of course, Carlisle. Don't worry, I'll make an effort to keep that sort of talk to a minimum. It's depressing, I know. The things they do to keep us in line, but still, that's no reason we ought to kid ourselves. There's no shortage of scheming in Washington, D.C., I'll give you that much. Perhaps we should all keep that sort of talk to a minimum, just so we don't bore Tessa to death. Barbara smiles at Tessa. But where are these nephews of mine? They should be getting home from school any time now. The school that you work at, I take it. That's right. Told them I was coming and they gave you the day off, did they? Frank chuckles. <laughs> Somebody had to be here to supervise you. Actually, I've got myself a sub that's all too happy to cover for me whenever I want to take a day off. Probably queer. <clears throat> Why don't you two catch up while I show Tess around the house? Be my guest. That's okay, I can show myself around. Now, Tess... Albert abruptly steps through the front door. He is surprised to suddenly find himself in the middle of a conversation. His eyes instantly meet Tessa's. Al, you're home. Hello there, Albert. Last time I saw you, you were just a little guy. Carlisle extends his hand. Albert takes his eyes off of Tessa and turns his attention to Carlisle, still somewhat flustered. Hi, Uncle Carlisle. I look forward to getting to know you. Yeah, me too. Say, maybe Albert here could give Tessa a tour of the grounds, get to know his cousin for the first time. Um... The other boys will be here any second. We could wait till they get here. Is there some place to sit in here? Yeah. Let's start the tour in there. Tessa enters the living room without hesitation. Albert follows her. Oh, you've got to come out to the garage with me and take a look at the Mercury Cougar I just bought in July. <laughs> Let's have a look. Frank and Carlisle head out, leaving Barbara alone. She sighs and goes to the kitchen to smoke a cigarette. Tessa has by now taken a seat at one end of the couch, Albert at the other. So is there anything to do here? We've got a TV. Ugh. Tessa takes a pack of cigarettes from her jacket. You smoke? Yeah. Don't you? No. You want to try one? Okay. She withdraws two cigarettes, hands one to Albert and pops the other in her mouth. Albert does the same. She returns the pack to her jacket and produces a lighter. The two lean in towards one another until the tips of their cigarettes touch, and Tessa lights both simultaneously. So you're Albert, right? <coughs> Albert coughs. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> don't worry, it gets easier. What if we get caught? We won't. Not if you don't keep coughing. <coughs> I can't help it. <coughs> don't hold on to the smoke. Take it in and breathe it out. Graham enters the house. Hello? Hi. Who's that? That's my brother, Graham. Barbara steps into the foyer to greet Graham. How was your day, love? He's lame. Fine. Your uncle's in the garage with your father, and your cousin's in the living room with Albert, if you'd like to say hello. Both my brothers are. Um, maybe later. I understand. Graham proceeds to his room and commences on his homework. Barbara returns to the kitchen. That sucks. Yeah. At least you're not an only child. I'm stuck with my dad all the time. So what happened to your mom? She died in a car wreck. She was decapitated. Whoa. Yeah. How old were you? I was only four, so I didn't really know what was happening. I remember dad acting like a totally different guy. I think he really loved mom. That's too bad. Whatever. So you go to school around here? Yeah, my dad teaches there. And I bet he's a total hard ass. Yep, he was in the army. Does everyone hate you because of him? Nobody messes with me. Yeah? Why is that? Albert smiles. I'm pretty screwed up. Tessa smiles back. Good. Me too. Randall enters. Mom? That's Randy. He plays football. Barbara returns to the foyer. Yes, dear? Ugh, say no more. Susan wasn't at school today, and she's not at home. Her parents don't know where she is. I'm sure she'll turn up. In the meantime, why don't you say hello to your uncle? He's in the garage looking at your father's car. Sure. Tell me if she shows up, will you? Of course. Randall exits once more and Barbara re-enters the kitchen. Yeah, my family's crazy. I'm your family too, you know. I know. You seem pretty cool. You too. They smoke in silence for a short while. I think I'm getting the hang of this. Told you. So, what's your beef with TV? Haven't you read 1984? Huh? Come on, George Orwell? No, I don't do a lot of reading. Well, it was written in the 40s and it predicted that everybody would have a TV in their house, everywhere. And that's how the government controls you. Only he thought the danger was TV watching you. No, just you watching TV means they control you. What do you mean? 
You buy what they tell you to buy in commercials. You think what they tell you to think on the news, and you make believe that life is just like in your favorite TV shows. Or the way it should be. I never looked at it that way. And how else would you look at it if all you looked at was a TV screen? But it's not just the government, it's people with money, because that's all you need to get on TV. Hmm. You think it's weird of me to say, don't you? No. My dad talks about this kind of stuff all the time. About the communists and the Democrats and stuff. The communists aren't the ones fucking us over. And if you think Reagan's on our side, then you're retarded. None of them give a shit. Yeah. You hear my dad say a lot of bullcrap about the government, but don't think I get it from him. Don't worry, I won't. Thanks. I don't hate him. I mean, he's weird, but he does his best. I don't really get a lot of attention from my parents. And my mom kind of hates me. Yeah, she seems like a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So is there, like, anything to do in this neighborhood at all? Well, there's a forest right behind the school. There's a little creek and a tire swing. But you have to know where to find it. I always go out there by myself, exploring. That sounds nice. You want to take off? Right now? Sure. Why not? Okay. Whatever you say. Tessa and Albert leave the house, the former leading the latter. Barbara visits the foyer yet again, wondering who has come or gone. She then checks the living room, finding no one. The door opens, and Frank, Carlisle, and Randall enter the house. Yes, it's so nice to see Tess getting along with someone. Randall heads straight to his room and begins to put it in order. Barbara is drawn back into the foyer by their entry. Have either of you seen Albert and Tessa? They passed us on the way in. Went off wandering. Oh, that's nice. Sure is. Frank was telling me that Al's a bit antisocial, too. You could say that. She needs a little exposure to someone her own age. She's always hanging out with much older people. Kids, you know, they're just not such a good influence, you know? I think they'll do each other good. Surely. At any rate, I just wanted to let you know, Barb, that Carl and I are going out for a little while. He wants to take a ride in the Mercury. Oh, I hope he'll be back in time to make dinner. I'll get him back on time, fear not. He won't be gone long. Fine. The men depart. Barbara goes and makes herself another drink. Some time passes before Susan arrives. She begins toward the stairs. Frank? Albert? Hearing Barbara's voice, Susan freezes. The former is drawn into the foyer once more. Ah, is Randy here? Yes, he's in his room. Thanks, Mrs. Smith. Barbara. Susan hurries up the stairs. You should find him a little less apprehensive about things. Susan says nothing. Barbara shakes her head and returns to the kitchen. Graham puts his homework away and begins working on love. Susan enters Randy's room. Randy, I... She is surprised to see the place so disorderly. Oh. Sue, I'm so happy to see you. He goes and hugs her tight. What happened in here? Look, I'm really sorry. I freaked out yesterday. I wasn't thinking straight. I wasn't being a man, and I've got to be now. For you and for me. Randy, I need to tell you something. So do I. Listen. He leads her to his bed. I was scared when you told me, but I talked to my dad, and I've thought it through, and I think I'm ready. Randy- I mean it, and I'll prove it. I'm going to drop out. I'll get a job at the factory and mills. Mom knows the foreman's wife, and then I'm going to take out a loan for a house. Dad said he'll get me a car for my 18th birthday. It'll all be fine. It Randy, none of that needs to happen. Excuse me? We don't have to get married. You don't have to do any of that. What the hell do you mean? Let me tell you, please. You're not going to be a father, and I'm not going to be a mother. Not yet. I... I don't understand. You mean you lied? You were never pregnant? No, Randy... I got rid of it. You mean... Yes, yesterday. You can still go to college and play football and do whatever you want with your life. And so can I. Randall, still unable to fully comprehend the news, is not pleased. You had an abortion? Yes. And you didn't even tell me? You were so, so on edge. I didn't want to make things any worse. And you were so scared. I, I thought this is what you wanted. No, no. Jesus fucking Christ, Susan. Randy. Oh my God. You said you didn't want this to happen. And I pulled myself together. Holy shit, my parents are gonna- Oh, fuck them. Why do you care about what your dad says or your mom thinks? What about you, Randy? What about you? You talk about being a man- don't men think for themselves and make their own decisions? This wasn't my decision. I know. You killed our child, Susan. I'm not sure it's even yours, okay? What? I said it might not have been yours. What the fuck are you talking about? Whose was it then? I... Mike? 
You were with Mike. You fucking lied to me. It wasn't Mike. Mike's an asshole. It well, who was it then? Just tell me the truth for once. <sighs> it was Stan. It could have been Stan's. Stan? He's a fucking dead man. Randy, no, it wasn't his fault. It was me. It was all me. When the hell was this? This was after we had that big fight at Mike's when we weren't talking to each other. I wanted to make you angry. I know Stan's always had the hots for me, so I called him. I asked if we could meet up so I could talk to him about you, and, well... Great. That's just fucking great. It was just one time. We both agreed that it wouldn't happen again, and then you and I made up, and I hoped it never come up. So you're gonna call him up one more time, tell him you killed his kid? He never knew I was pregnant. I didn't even want to tell you, but your mom saw it, and... I planned on getting rid of it the second I learned about it. And you were just going to live that lie forever? Yes. You'd never know when we'd stay together and we'd be happy like we've always been. I love you. No. You don't. I do. You lied again and again and again just to save your ass. That's not true. I wanted to keep you safe. I'm sorry, Randy. You're not. I am. Honestly, I am. It could have been ours. We could have raised it. If you love me, well, then why didn't you want a family with me? I'm not ready. You're not ready. Bullshit. This was my child, too. I know, which makes it even worse. Randy, I love you. And I know you love me, too. You've said so and you mean it. I can see that. You try to exude this masculine strength all the time, but you can be so sensitive and sincere. You and I could still have a family together. Get out. Randy, please. It's done. It's all over with us. Please. Get out! Barbara and Graham both pause at the sound of Randall's outburst. Susan, in tears by now, backs toward the door. Lying whore! Randall! Randall picks up his alarm clock, rips it out of the wall, and lobs it at Susan. She shrieks. It narrowly misses her head, hitting the wall behind her instead. Susan turns and runs for the door. Barbara puts her business aside and hurries upstairs. Graham sets his brush and palette down and opens his door to see what the commotion is. Susan escapes Randall's room and instantaneously makes eye contact with Graham. What's going on up there? Susan dismays, knowing there is no way around Barbara as she ascends the stairs. Randall pulls his flask from a drawer and downs the entirety of its content. In here! Susan rushes inside Graham's room and he quickly closes the door before Barbara appears in the hallway and marches into Randall's room. What on earth is going on? Thank you. Graham and Susan remain close to the door to listen to the ensuing exchange. Randall, who has taken a seat on his bed, slowly looks up at his mother. Susan got rid of the baby. Barbara is shocked. What? It wasn't even mine. She had an abortion? You heard me. Where's she gone? She left. What do you mean she left? Out of the window? Out the door. Is there a reason you're in my room? Barbara approaches him. Come with me. We're going to her home this very instant. We have to speak with her parents. No. Excuse me? No. I'm not going to her house. I never want to see her again. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, no. You're going to take some responsibility. I said I'm not going anywhere. Barbara is silent at first, somewhat intimidated. Something captures her attention. What's that smell? What? Is that... Have you been drinking? It's none of your business. Answer me. Yeah. So? Barbara shakes her head in disgust. I'm very, very disappointed in you, Randall. Do me a favor. Fuck off. You... She attempts to slap him, but he grabs her wrist before she comes close. Barbara is stunned and helpless. Don't touch me. Do... Do you want to let that bitch get away with it? Forget about Susan. Randall releases her. Defeated, Barbara exits the room. Randall shuts the door behind her and returns to his bed. Barbara, still very shaken, turns her sights to the door across the hall. Graham? Susan is petrified. Busy painting, Mom. All right. Barbara returns to the first floor and dejectedly smokes a cigarette. Susan and Graham relax. Thank you so much, Graham. Don't mention it. I think your mom would have gouged my eyes out. Yeah. She can get really... Really mad sometimes. Susan takes a deep breath as the sadness of her circumstances gradually returns to her. What happened? If it's okay to ask. Well, Randy broke up with me. Why? I cheated on him, got pregnant, and got rid of the baby. No wonder, right? 
Graham doesn't know what to say. He goes and retrieves a cloth he uses while painting. He offers it to her. She gratefully accepts it and dries her tears. Thank you. Graham wanders to the other side of the room, bashful. I'm sorry about everything. You probably don't want to leave out the front door since my mom's down there. You can sneak out the window. There's a trellis you can climb down. But careful, my dad's always telling Albert he'll break his neck sneaking out. Susan smiles slightly. I'll be careful. Thank you again. It's all right. She gestures to love. Did you do this? What? Oh yeah, I'm still working on it. It's really good. Thank you. What is it? It's love. Oh. Did you know I was an artist? Yeah. Randy's talked about your paintings before. Let me guess, he calls them shitty, right? Just for the record, I'd always give him a hard time for giving you a hard time. Really? Yeah. You don't deserve it. Anyone can see that. Graham is deeply flattered, but conceals it. I mean, you can't be that bad. You saved me, didn't you? I guess so. Why? Why did you help me? I... I I, I don't know. Well, I appreciate it. Graham nods awkwardly. Susan smiles, walks to the window, and cautiously shows herself out. Graham gathers himself and returns to painting. He soon goes to the window himself to watch Susan go. Blackout. On the next episode of Chronosphere Fiction, we'll continue with Monday through Friday at the Smith's Residence with Act 3, Scene 3, written and narrated by Blake Benlin. Barbara was Jenna Scanlon. Frank, Paul Cantor. Randall is Antonio Denunzio. Graham is Will Geary. Albert is J. Dean Garcia. Susan is Mackenzie Jensen. Carlisle is Eric Lorden. Tessa is Rosanna Jimeno. Production sound effects and music is Daniel French. Blake, Dean, and Mackenzie are also part of a Fishbonious podcast known as The List Game, a conversational improv game. Be sure to check it out when you get a chance. Next episode will probably be the conclusion of Monday through Friday at the Smith's Residence, and then we're back to Gafgarn. Keep your cosmos clean. Do you like thrillers, action, adventure, mystery, crime drama? Well, you're in luck, because here on the Mutual Audio Network, we have Thursday Thrillers. You can subscribe and have a dose of adrenaline-pumping audio every Thursday from your favorite podcast player. Get it here now. This is the Mutual Audio Network, listening and imagining together.